Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And be sure to add our podcast, Can We Please Talk, in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the 2020 recap episode of the Can We Please Talk podcast. As always, I'm Mike Leon. And I'm Nick Saveri. This is our recap show. Uh, the end of 2020. Nick, it's been a fun year on the show. Um, a, lot, a lot to talk about, the different guests that we've had, the topics we've discussed. Um, and also, you know, we're all living through a pandemic, working from home. Um, 2020 for, for me has been so crazy, just leaving New York City uh, in mid-March during the pandemic and then kind of relocating to Florida around family. How's 2020 been for you, Nick? Yeah, it's it's been a year, as a colleague of mine said recently. Um, in this year, we have we've welcomed our newest member of our family, my daughter Eliza, who's now right. going to be ten months. Uh, my wife changed jobs, so that's brought us to Easton, Pennsylvania, where I now record from. Um, I made some changes at work, changed my role in the company, just to uh, just be more present at home. It's been, it, yeah, it's just been a lot it's been a lot of ups and downs and it's it's a story of resiliency i think a lot about um just how my family much like yours just making the best of what's going on and, and staying focused and moving forward my wife just got the vaccine as a as a physician the other day so again just more signs of where where things are going um but yeah as we end the year i end i end in gratitude at just where we are and being healthy um and looking forward ahead but it 
it has definitely been a year it, to say it, the least. It's been so, it's been so crazy. You know, all, all the lives that have been lost over um, COVID-19. Um, it's definitely been a tough year. I know personal friends that have lost loved ones, moms, uh, grandparents. Um, so, you know, I definitely uh, feel for those people and the people that are hurting with, you know, everything that's going on economically, businesses being shut down. It's been such a tough year. Um, and like you said, gratitude because, you know, you and I were able to come together and kind of create this show. But then, you know, it's evolved. And seeing something that, that we do as a passion project really kind of take off has been really cool to see. And, and some of the guests that we've had on, that's the purpose of today's show, is really to talk about, you know, not only the topics that we touched on, we did education where Nick, you know, works in the field for over 20 years, the media and, and news media and television media where I've worked for over 15 years. But um, just the people that we've had on, it's been so interesting. Uh, who, who was one of your favorite guests that we've had on so far, Nick, if, if you had to pick one from the numerous that we've had? Yeah, first first thing comes to mind for me is, uh, is Naveed. Uh, Naveed was one of our first guests actually on the show. Uh, it just brings, I think the recurring trend with Naveed and all of our guests is the idea of, of this interesting life story, this story that from where they began to where they are appearing on our program has just been amazing. In Naveed's case, he's a published author, you know, how to catch a Russian spy, um, had served as a double agent, has been a naval intelligence officer, had worked in the media at Fox News, where Mike, you and he were able to connect on the show about. Yeah. And all of those makes it amazing experiences, just the story he tells about all of that, uh, especially like we talked about, you know, what is life like in the media, the different uh, different roles that people play and who they are sometimes when the camera goes off and just some interesting connections that you all had around that. We were talking, you mentioned a couple of media outlets in your response. Um, when we think of just, when we think of the presence of Russia right now from an intelligence standpoint, what do you feel the media is getting right and perhaps getting wrong about the way we're <laughs> talking about and <laughs> just judging by your yeah. lab, there's a, there's an opportunity to, elabor opportunity to elaborate here, but yeah, what's the media getting right and wrong as it relates to Russia? So the thing that I want um, Americans to understand is that Russia, for Russia, the Cold War never ended. Uh, when I was, you know, I was active 2005, 2009, um, the Russian GRU intelligence officer, a legit intelligence officer, captain in the Russian Navy, was part of the GRU. He had a cover, you know, a cover here working at the UN. Um, he viewed himself as being behind enemy lines and he wasn't wrong, right? Like we surveilled him, you know, this is, this is not a, this is not a, um, this is not a U.S. person. So we don't have to worry about all, all the, you know, this is a, this is a diplomat. There's a lot of things that could be done, but they're right. And that is something that, you know, I think Americans don't understand is the perception of how Russia looks at us. They look at us as their main enemy. We are the blocker for their success. And when you understand that, then you realize that, you know, I fully believe that there's a connection between Russia and Trump or Trump and Russia, I should say. But I think it also, to some degree, doesn't mean that a democratically, a Democrat president, or, you know, is going to be at any less risk that, that because Biden is in the off, he's going to be, is going to be in the White House, that Russia's, the threat to Russia diminishes. Russia's threat is consistent. It's constant. It's, it's based on their motivation, their intent and their capability. And, and frankly, as of 2016, what have we done to, to you know, dissuade them from doing anything? What have we done to reduce their capability? What have we done to show that they can't be successful? Nothing. So they're just as dangerous. Um, and in fact, I think that the media has, you know, one of the things that really frustrated me is they treated this whole uh, Russian 
election interference as if it was a legal case, as if we're going to bring these GRU officers and perp walk them and that we arrest them. And as a result, that's the end of Russia. No, these are military officers. They're, they're doing their, their duty. If they're, if they're gone, they're replaced. The intent and the capability stays the same. So we've got to start seeing Russia as a threat. We've got to, frankly, you know, we talk about defenses here. We've got to go on the offense. We've got to kind of, a lot of the intelligence officers I speak to, intelligence professionals I speak to, they're really pissed that we're not doing the same active measures back in Moscow that they're doing here. Like, why the hell are we messing with them a little bit? And, you know, that's a frustration. That's all got to change. So Russia remains an extraordinarily dangerous threat. They remain extraordinarily motivated and committed to, you know, continue on causing us harm. And, you know, we should be concerned about that. It should not, you know, our guard should not come down the minute uh, Trump leaves the, uh, the White House. Yeah. And, you know, Naveed <laughs> was really great. Uh, it, was, it was fun for him and I to kind of, you know, talk about our experiences working in the media. For me, you know, I, there's so many good ones, right? Um, Reggie Love, you know, we invited him on the show. Um, former Obama aide worked under the Obama campaign, then transitioned into the White House when Obama won in 2008. Um, but before that, you know, Reggie was a two, two sport athlete at Duke, you know, and he played football, basketball, you know, um, you know, here's a guy catching college touchdowns and then playing for a national title under Coach K, one of the legendary college basketball coaches. And then he transitions into that, into like a little known campaign of a senator from Illinois, junior senator, you know, no chance that this guy's going to win. Um, Hillary Clinton was the favorite. So all of that, right, playing sports, we, and I'm glossing over that he had tryouts in the NFL, you know, for Bill Parcells with the Packers. I mean, what an interesting story. A guy playing at one of the premier collegiate institutions for sports, at least basketball in Duke, trying out for NFL teams because of his size and athleticism, right? On a different side of the ball too. He played, he played receiver tight end at, at Duke. And here he is trying out for linebacker, you know, with the Cowboys and the Packers. And then he goes into politics and he becomes the right-hand man to the 44th president of the United States. I just thought, and then he writes a book about it all, which was, which was really uh, an interesting read on a New York Times bestseller list. I mean, you talk about interesting people, um, just a combination of all of that in sports and politics. Reggie, for me, was a really interesting guest to talk to. Today's episode of the Can We Please Talk podcast is presented by Naked Nutrition. You know, folks, uh, Naked Nutrition is a site that I've been using recently, and they provide you with pure protein powders and supplements to help you meet nutrition and fitness goals. Uh, they're completely transparent about their ingredients. That way, you know exactly what's going into your body. There's no additives. means your body gets more of what it needs. And I suggest checking out the vanilla protein powder, which I recently purchased. Um, right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase at Naked Nutrition by using the code POD, P-O-D, that's 10% off that you're going to get just using that promo code for our first-time customers. Take your nutrition to the next level with Naked Nutrition. Something I always like to ask any guest on the show, you know, in these varied fields is, um, as a person who's been on the inside, what's a misconception of everyone, like Mike and myself, anyone on the outside that hears a story like yours? What do, we, what do people totally get wrong about working on a campaign and being a part of a, being a part of a journey like that, working for Senator Obama and then uh, on, on route to the white house. I mean, we'll look, I'd say, you know, Barack Obama now it's like 
promised land, becoming, 30 million books sold, president of the United States. I think a lot of people, you know, believed it to be, you know, a lot more uh, sexy than what it actually is. And, and I kind of say that, you know, working on a campaign for a guy who's a, a, a first term, two-year United States junior senator from Illinois, you know, it's not, you know, he's, he's no Beatle, you know, he's no Michael Jordan. And so it, it, it is a little bit of a grind. Uh, and now I would say that um, I loved every minute of it, even the parts that were grind, because, you know, working on a campaign really kind of gave me this feeling of what it felt like to play on a team. You know, now a little bit harder because, uh, you know, during during the normal season, you've got a, a game every week or even a couple games a week, and you have a chance to go out and compete and to, you know, look at the tape and see how you did and to get that gratification of, like, getting a win. Um, you know, uh, 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 a campaign almost feels like an Olympic athlete who's, like, training uh, for, you know, his, his or – her one event that they, you know, are going to have to compete on on a certain day. And, you know, it's a culmination of all that training and all that work, like all at once. Uh, and I think that that is like, I, I think that nothing creates the amount of like anxiety and, and adrenaline around that moment, right? Where you campaign or work for two years for something to know whether or not like you did it right. Yeah. Mike Reggie's story is amazing. Just from his time working alongside President Obama, his his pass to that as an athlete at Duke, playing both football and basketball. And when I think about sports, it's hard to ignore another guest that came on our show, Jason Ayer. Jason's 10-part documentary on the last championship season for the Bulls, The Last Dance, premiered on ESPN, now found on, uh, found on Netflix. You know, just an amazing storyteller, you know, tells us that story of, and spend a couple of days with Jordan, obviously, you know, doing right. that interview and shares on our program. Uh, just some awesome stories about MJ, things that we didn't necessarily know behind the, behind the camera. Uh, but what really stood out in that interview with Jason also is just some really, what I call nuggets of wisdom, just some awesome, awesome things that he's learned and things he imparted to us, things that definitely resonate with why we started this show and why he supported the show by coming on and things that hopefully for listeners, they can take into their own professional practice because I think Jason's, Jason's examples, Jason's lessons were really just stood out to me. Jason, you know, we've touched a bunch on, on the different sports stocks that you have done that, that have been so iconic. Um, is it ever lost on you when you're filming these documentaries that, you know, I, I can't mess this up? Is there, is there ever that feeling of, I, oh, yeah. I could fail at this? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, there's a, it's, 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 what, it's what trumps the, uh, not to... Right, not to invoke. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's what silences that voice in your head that can be starstruck in front of a person like Magic Johnson or Michael Jordan or Barack Obama is the urgency of, we only get one shot at this, I have to do this right. And the urgency, the, the fear of failure supersedes the, the thrill of actually meeting these people and being in front of them. Not that it's not a thrill, but yeah, I can't, there, there's not an interview that I do where I don't have 
you know, fleeting moments and sometimes, you know, long lingering moments of, all right, don't screw this up. This has to go well. With Jordan, we interviewed him three times for the last dance. And the first time we interviewed him, I had no idea if he was going to leave a half hour. I had, you know, six or seven pages of questions and that's, that's normally an hour a page. I didn't know how long he was planning on going. I knew what I needed to get, but I had no idea if I should just jump to the end of this thing and get the most important stuff. So yeah, there's, there's, there always will be, if there's not that, that danger and you're not out of your comfort zone, then why do it? You know? Yeah. Jason was fantastic, you know, uh, and obviously I have a relationship with him having worked with him at HBO. Uh, it's great to see him and some of the other uh, directors, editors that have come out of, you know, the HBO family, Ezra Edelman, I mentioned that, uh, did the OJ documentary and Gabe Spitzer is over at Netflix um, and did the John Daly 30 for 30. It's just so much talent that has come out of there. So really proud of Jason for everything he has, he has accomplished. And some of these documentaries are so iconic. You know, for me, um, one guest that I really loved talking to was Sabrina Rodriguez. Um, she's a, a politics writer at Politico. And it's, it's really the story of today's journalists, you know, and we did an episode about her in the female journalist sense, but really it's about journalism in general, right? Like there's, it's, it's probably under attack as perceived by a lot of people out there, you know, because there's the term fake news, right? And, and it's, this is, this is your fact. This is my fact. When actually this is a fact, you know, not, and, and people's opinions are starting to bleed into uh, fact giving. And now we've seen the rise of alternative media and now sources are not trusted anymore. And it's good to see a reporter, you know, who's a little bit younger, but seasoned and has covered, you know, an administration. Um, and she's really out there reporting the facts of the day and trying to, you know, she mentioned it in the episode. I'm not, my job is not to convince you. My job is to give you all of the factual information, right? Because we, I told people in the media episode, you gotta, you gotta verify everything. You gotta make sure that, you know, that this is trusted, this is trusted before you come to a conclusion. She's doing the same thing in that vein. And it's really cool to see somebody uh, with such a level head on her shoulders um, and really working hard in this industry, uh, which is right now, unfortunately, over the last four years has really been scrutinized. What do you make of the alternative media world and all these different options available to people? Yeah, I mean, it's honestly terrifying. And I, it, what's terrifying to me is that, like, if I was, if I, for example, if I, if I was a recently arrived immigrant in the United States, or I was someone that was just starting to get involved in the political process and was curious and, you know, was going to become a citizen, was going to get to vote, or I was like really young. And I, if I was 17 years old and I'm about to turn 18 and I'm going to get to vote and I'm starting to pay attention to all of this, like, I think it's hard. I think it's hard to gauge what you need to be following. And I mean, we know historically that people tend to, when they turn 18, you know, follow what their parents, you know, political party was, at least, you know, in the immediate. And we know that, you know, immigrant communities are influenced by what, you know, the rest of the people that got there before them are doing. You know, we, we've seen it with Cubans, for example, that, you know, they continue to vote, you know, by and large Republican. And even when that kind of shifted, it's kind of got swung back again to, you know, mostly Cubans are voting Republican. And we're seeing it with Venezuelans and we're seeing it with Colombians and we're seeing it across the board of, you know, people kind of like immigrant communities flowing in one way. And I think that, you know, I'm, I could go a hundred ways with this answer because there's so much to it, honestly, guys. But I, I just think that 
it's hard. It's hard to gauge who is a reliable source if you're just getting involved in this. Like I am a journalist and sometimes I'm like, is that person a journalist or are they a commentator? And, and I find myself having to t- say that to people like, again, with my grandmother that watches CNN, like, I think she's very like well-educated on what news is and news judgment and stuff, but she'll still find herself telling me like, oh yeah, that journalist Van Jones. And I'm like, Van Jones isn't a journalist. Like that's not, but because she sees him on CNN all the time and he's on these programs, she's just made this assumption that he is a journalist. And I think, you know, that is a tough part of this and that you could find someone that has the same opinion as you anywhere. <laughs> like you could find a podcast that has people parroting what you're already thinking and to gauge if the person that you trust or a person that you like is giving you wrong information is tough. Sabrina was awesome. You know, one of my favorite parts of that interview was, uh, you know, we pivoted briefly to talk about education and you, we talked about as a writer, what is the effect of your classroom experience? You know, what are you learning as a writer at the earliest part of your craft, you know, in elementary school, middle school and the like, and what lessons stay with you? What lessons do you, do you really, do you kind of have to unlearn as you go out into the field? And I thought the way she spoke to that, just spoke about, spoke to any, any aspiring writer, what's important to, to be aware of as we think of these different structures and this practice that we, ca- that we call writing. So I thought from a technical standpoint, it was just awesome to, to hear her talk about. And Mike, to your point, I think being a, being a woman in the media comes with that, some additional challenges that, that men don't face. And I thought Sabrina really hit the nail on the head talking about just being as a, as a Latina, what's different in the spaces that she's in when she is in a, in a mostly male dominated field? Yeah, no, Sabrina was great. Uh, and we also had, you know, uh, we talk about all the topics and the different guests that we've had on. And one topic that I didn't really know much about was audiobooks. You know, we had Erin Mallon on, who's a writer. She was a playwright, written plays that are, are featured off Broadway. She has a new book out, but she's a narrator and voiceover. And, and, you know, you mentioned on the episode that we had with her about how you used to listen to audiobooks, you know, on your commute. And I just don't know much about the audiobook space and narration. And I thought Aaron was great to really give insight into that because it is a booming industry. You know, Audible, you know, is, is growing every year with the volume of inventory that they have. Um, and it was just great to learn from somebody in a different field that, you know, it's, it's one of those things, you know, you're doing this show and you're trying to learn about these guests, then you're hearing it from them and it's really starting to sink in as to what they do. It was pretty cool to, to talk with Aaron. On the subject of advice for uh, people getting into the field, um, last couple episodes we've done, we've had guests have spoken about just general advice that's helped them along the way, whether talking to people who are looking to enter their field or just people in the professional world. What are some other pieces of advice you'd offer to um, just people who are about to enter any space in the professional sphere? Uh, well, I'll talk about audiobook narration because it's funny. Um, if I'll go to a party or something, and I'll tell people I'm a writer, they'll be interested, but only to a certain degree. I say I'm an audiobook narrator, and they're like, wow, that's cool. And that's always the thing that they want to talk about, which I find interesting. Um, Something that happens a lot with voice work is usually what someone will say is, oh, I've been told I have a great voice, and I should get into that. And I never want to discourage anyone um, because... Yeah, it's, I'm not saying that 
that saying like it's rocket science or I'm not saying that, but having a pleasant voice is a prerequisite. It's like a dancer putting on their shoes. So I have nice tap shoes is basically what you were saying when you say I have an, a nice voice. Then you got to learn what to do with it. Um, so great. You have a nice voice. So what I would say is perfect. Now you have to take classes. You have to be a solid actor. You've got to be believable. You have to be able to play a range of characters. Um, you have to have strong dialect and accent work. Um, play a gender that's different than yours um, in a believable, not um, not poking fun at way, you know. Um, and these are all tangible things that you can figure out, but it takes training. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Mike. You know. Again, that trend for us is people with interesting jobs, actually. Uh, and Aaron brings that perspective as, as a writer, but on so many different le levels. And what she also did in her show is she talked about the idea of performance. She connected it as an audiobook narrator. She gave a great example of what from the stage does she bring into her abilities as, as a narrator. So her just telling that story was really helpful for us and gave some insights to anyone who has any even thought about entering audio narration, working at organizations like Audible, um, but also just the value of all of her experience from the stage to where she is now. And also the reality of monetization. What does it mean to have these right. different gigs where something is just your bread and butter? This is what pays the bills. And then the space to have the opportunity to take on other projects uh, because you have the financial security. Aaron connected all those dots uh, and told a really awesome story in the process. Yeah, no. And it's a great segue to our last guest of the year, you know, because you talk about story writing and telling um, and Dr. Michael Eric Dyson, we were fortunate enough to have him on the program and his new book is out, you know, a long time coming, A Reckoning with Race in America. I mean, here's a guy who's published so many different books. He's been on the New York Times bestseller list for years. Um, he's a, a professor of sociology at Georgetown, now African-American studies at Vanderbilt. Um, and just the depth of knowledge that he brings about race relations in America. I'm wondering, like, how, how difficult is it to write books on this subject matter, even your last book, The Tears We Cannot Stop, um, that directly and indirectly have affected you? Yeah, no, uh, first of all, thanks for having me. I appreciate uh, the style and intelligence with which both of you uh, conduct yourselves and this tremendous uh, podcast. Look, it is extremely difficult. Uh, because it's not just an intellectual and abstract kind of thing. It's an existential and personal one. You know, black people dying, people of color being victimized by white supremacy, by police brutality, constantly, repeatedly, uh, without, it appears, much relief. So uh, even though I felt compelled to communicate the horrors and traumas to which black people and other people of color are subject, um, I wanted to, to do so by writing letters to these, um, you know, martyrs as opposed to about them, because I didn't want to further objectify them, uh, cash in on their names for dollars. I wanted to really communicate uh, the sense of hurt and pain that uh, people of color endure uh, when recognizing that the state imprimatur of a badge and a gun, a taser and a baton, in the service of the official rules and the official governance 
of the government uh, is used to undermine and hurt uh, people of color, in this case, specifically black people, but Latinx, indigenous, Arab people, you know, across the board. And so I wanted to, uh, to talk about that. And it is painful. Yeah. You know, in a tradition that we've seen from James Baldwin, uh, not too long ago with Maya Angelou to recently with Ta-Nehisi Coates, the ability to write letters uh, as, a, as a personal way of sharing stories. And Dr. Dyson does that by um, writing letters to African-Americans who've been murdered by the police. And in doing so, just really opened up to us about what is, what is the impact on, on these tragedies in the Black community and moving ahead with a new presidential administration. Um, you know, what does 2021 look like? Shedding some light about what his, what his hopes are and what the realities are right now. Right. That's a great segue, Nick, because 2021 is right around the corner. Um, obviously, we're taping this, you know, right around the Christmas, uh, New Year's uh, holiday break. And in 2021, we've got some great topics and, and guests lined up for 2021. Uh, it's going to be a really exciting 2021. Nick, well, what are you looking forward to most uh, for this program and also, you know, personally? I think for I think for the program and the program to me connects personally. You know, Mike, we're, we've been friends for years, so I'm very lucky in the sense that now weekly, you know, we have an appointment on our calendar. You and I get a chance to just connect as people, as friends, and then we get a chance to do that with with a guest. So for me, I think of the I think of where the show goes is to continue to tell the stories of interesting people. You know, one of my hopes for anyone who is watching or listening to this show and again we're available everywhere spotify apple youtube um just the ability to hear the stories of people that you may not have heard of before or maybe you have but you haven't heard the story of how they got to where they are now and being able to see people tell that that life trajectory and also you know, one thing I know I want to do is continue to ask people to share some pieces of wisdom, things that we can all be able to take into our lives and think about as we grow as professionals, as we grow as parents, as we grow as men and women, as you know, contributors to society, things that we can bring into our own lives, you know, based on the accomplishments and the stories of the people that come onto our program. Yeah, no, that's well said. And that's really what the goal of this show is. And we're excited to bring it to you guys. We hope everybody has a safe and happy holiday season. As always, I'm Mike Leon. And I am grateful and Nick Severi. <laughs> you can subscribe to the show. Tell your friends about us. Give us a follow if you're watching on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button wherever podcasts are available. We thank you so much, everybody. Take care and we'll see you in 2021. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.